Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to the revisiting the classic 90s series, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Belle. Belle. Man, how you doing tonight? I'm feeling pretty invisible. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, man. Like I'm unseen. Oh, dude, I see you. I see you. <laughs> I see you. Oh, man. I kid, I kid. I'm I'm doing I'm doing swell. I'm just, you know, tying in the opening to the part of the episode. No, I get that. I like, definitely like get a, that. Like but at the same person. time, like you gotta you gotta be careful these days. You know, we're all in quarantine for like a year and everything. You put stuff out there. Yeah, when I left Twitter, people were worried because I did um I did the Bilbo Baggins thing, I think. Or it was like I you know, I've got to be going now. I put this off too long. I wish you all a very fond farewell or something like that. And people thought I was in trouble. They were like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Have you talked to a therapist? (laughs) Like, you know, you can't, you can't just like, you can't just say stuff like that in 2021. I I picked up on the Bilbo quote immediately and I was like, this is not going to go over well. (laughs) (laughs) After days and going online and sharing that I'm getting off of social media. And then it's like, I I still didn't, I still didn't do a good job there, but that's okay. It's all right. We're we're here and we are not invisible. We are quite visible, Uh, but we are going to be talking about some invisible, shenanigans uh, but first a couple little housekeeping items that is that uh, you know we've mentioned it before we are giving away uh, a full season of the 90s flash series to one of our amazing patrons next episode and so if you want to be considered head over to patreon.com slash tv talk and uh, yeah you can uh, help sign up to support the show and like i said we'll be drawing a name uh, of those of the uh, the supporters and and giving away one of the uh, yeah season season one of the 90s series so if you've been enjoying the uh, the recaps and kind of revisiting this series, uh, perhaps you'd like to watch along with us. Uh, and so we would uh, we would love to do that for you. So head over there again, patreon.com slash TV talk. And next week we will be giving away a season one of the 90s Flash series. Also, want to encourage those of you who maybe uh, maybe skipped out next last week, because last week, you know, we did kind of some trailer talk, some Flash trailer talk. It was not intended to be a full episode dedicated to that trailer <laughs> And yet it ended up kind of being that because, you know, you get us talking and we, we do our thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, it was fun, though, because I was sitting there. We were just talking about the trailer, talking about the trailer. And I'm looking over at the time uh, just just going <laughs> up and up and up. And I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> it's either going to be a really long one or we're going to have to just, you know, make another episode. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like we, we kind of have like two audiences right now. We've got kind of our our, our you know main series which has been on hold audience uh who who maybe have abandoned us and, and might come back once the series is on who knows <laughs> and then we've got kind of this uh this this holdover audience slash new audience of folks that are listening because of the recap of uh, the 90s series and so that there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of crossover there but uh, i always want to be cognizant that you know maybe maybe you might have skipped out last week don't go in we had some great theories and yeah, I may I may have soapboxed a, boxed a little bit, but I gotta say that new poster made me feel pretty confident. That just the core cast on there, you don't even see Tom Cavanaugh. I'm 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 hopeful, very yeah. hopeful for what's to come. It was it was a an interesting choice for the poster. I was not expecting that. Like you know, this far along in the series, I was expecting to see like 500 different faces all over that thing. <laughs> And yeah, it yeah. was very pared down. <laughs> yeah, it's like Infinity War. That was nothing. No, yeah. no, no, no. Flash season seven is the most ambitious cast in all of television. Yeah. But no, man, I think uh, I think we've got something special to look forward to. But right now, I am looking forward to diving back into the '90s series with you, man. You ready to jump into this? Let's do it. All right, man. Let's jump into the rundown. The, the rundown. rundown. Episode ten of season one, sight unseen. Directed by Christopher Lich 
and story by John Vorhaus. Bell, what happened this episode? Well, Brian Gideon, a disturbed chemical engineer, learns that Star Labs is producing a nerve toxin based on his research for the United States government and uses a stealth device to infiltrate Star Labs and retrieve the toxins. His plan traps Tina and her employer, Ruth Wernicke, in the lab where they are exposed to a deadly neurotoxin. While attempting to locate both Gideon and a cure, Barry clashes with federal agent Jack Quinn, who is trying to cover up his own involvement in the crisis. Barry confronts Gideon, who injects him with the toxin in order to escape, but Barry is able to burn it out of his body and then uses his blood to inoculate Tina and Ruth. Gideon is then arrested, and Ruth cuts ties with Quinn, who is suspended when the activities he illegally sanctioned for Gideon are exposed. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I think that one works for Dun Dun Dun. Yeah, this this was good. This this definitely <laughs> works. You know, of all the Flash episodes, I do remember review not necessarily watching this one, but reading up on this one in the early days of Flash TV Talk because of the name recognition here. Ladies and gentlemen, we finally found Gideon's origin story. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, man, yeah, okay, yeah, different different Gideon there. Yeah, no, Very so that's the different thing. Gideon. We speculated pretty hardcore after the pilot episode about where does Gideon come from? Because it's such an, it's an interesting name. It's a unique name. It's not really a common name that you see all that often, at least, you know, from a comic book standpoint. And so we were just trying to like kind of scratch our heads trying to figure out where this came from. And of course, because it's not readily used in DC Comics, this episode of, of the 90s series came up and it was pretty quickly identifiable that perhaps this was not the Gideon no, <laughs> there was no correlation with the the AI future, you know, chronological whatever Gideon and this chemical engineer gone crazy Gideon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think they're the same person. But that was in a pre-crisis word world, Bell. What if post-crisis we are actually seeing the Gideon inspiration? Maybe his mind is the basis, the template, if you will, that the Barry Allen of this earth sometime between the end of this series and the beginning of the new series turned into some sort of like multi-earth, multi-timeline looking AI type of thing. And, and then that he, he gave it to, um, he gave it to Grant or, or better yet, maybe, you know, Gideon said that she was made by Barry Allen, but she never said which Barry Allen. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, Expanding on that a little bit, I thought it would have been more interesting if the the guy from the last episode, uh, from from Ghost in the Machine, right? Yeah, when you know when it ends, he is in the um, I, I, I don't know if it would be the internet, whatever he like, you know, was shown as being like, you know, in the the airwaves, I guess, because I don't know if like, I mean, maybe he was in the internet, like the the, the proto internet that we had back in the nineties, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, the one Al Gore was running from his his mom's basement. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. if if like the ghost, if his name was Gideon, maybe a little bit more like No, it would have fit. It, yeah, it would have yeah. fit. But but the but chemical engineer guy, no, no, no. That, that that's a tremendous, tremendous stretch. Yeah, it's it's a it's a Ralph <laughs> level stretch to be sure. But all right, yeah. so so here's the thing. What I love about this episode is there's actually a lot of unintentional nods to the modern series. Uh <laughs> Past you know, <I> mean, nods. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, hey, the flash it's, is all about time travel, so you know, there you go. Exactly. Like, I, I, I think I get it, Bell. I think I get the inspiration for Star Lab security from this episode. <laughs> Can we talk about, first of all, Star Labs. I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've had this establishing shot of Star Labs. We've had kind of a side view, which looks very different from the front view. Uh, one might even assume, perhaps, if they were cynical, that perhaps these were two different shooting locations. And uh, they decided to change things up since Star Labs th- plays such a heavy 
location for this episode. But, you know, before it was kind of like the side of a building. Here, we got kind of like a, I'm not even going to call it a 90s nightclub. I mean, this was an 80s nightclub. This thing was like bumping in the 80s. And then, you know, uh, cocaine, I guess. And now it's Star Labs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's a multi-purpose building, right? Like, you know, you have a a high-tech science facility slash 80s cocaine nightclub. Yeah, no, uh, Maxwell Lord came by, looked at the club, he's like, this club is good, but it could be better. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then boom, it's Star Labs. And I mean, like, you go in there and it's like got the, like the you know, the, the cube glass wraparound walls and it's it's got everything is lit up in neon lights, either red or blue. Uh, you got smoke. And I don't like even before like the chemical lockdown, everything was smoky. Did you notice that? Yeah, you know, ambiance. Yeah, no, dry ice. I mean, I <laughs> guess they just have it just pumping through the uh, the whole system there. But no, the Star Labs nightclub uh, was, uh, you know, it was great. But I will say the security, man, this is this has got to be the best part of this. First of all. We get introduced to a, secu- a security guard, and I get excited. Like, for the first time, I'm like, oh, my gosh, Star Labs has security. Again, a security guard. <laughs> and not exactly like like the brass tacks here. We're not talking about, like, the top, top-tier level security. It's just the fact that there is a security guard at Star Labs that really makes this feel like like really like top tier you know what i mean like just that top shelf level they're taking care of their star labs employees here in the past yeah i mean like they they up their security personnel from zero to one <laughs> yeah yeah but so like even in my show notes man in the notes was i was, I was watching i was like star labs has security and then two seconds later i was like oh but he's asleep though okay that tracks yeah so- yeah yeah that <laughs> that certainly uh, uh fits the uh, the profile of our star lab security <laughs> right 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 uh throughout the episode we do get this kind of weird um i guess shall we call it dichotomy of the star lab security which is easy to walk in invisible or not let's just be honest e- easy to walk in easy to get what you need but the second that they, they like you could but the second they need you locked in there it's impossible to get out. Oh yeah. It's reverse security. I mean, you know, maybe they're more concerned about things getting out of Star Labs than things getting into Star Labs because they know they have this like ultimate lockdown thing. Right. Well, here's my question. If Star Labs, which was clearly a nightclub in the 80s before it was Star Labs, like how much of this was a new security measure they put in and how much of this was about the nightclub from the 80s? Like, did they have some sort of like you can come in, but you can never leave type of deal? And what was going on in this nightclub? I, they played the Eagles constantly, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, I, I thought, uh, you know, the extreme measures they took to uh, to lock you in was just so great compared to just how easy it is, as we all know, just to waltz into Star Labs. And oh, yeah. That, that was so great. Um, man, we, uh, we got, uh, uh, Sabrina update. She had a poker night tonight, uh, which is, you know, first of all, marry her. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, does she have a sister? Like what, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Who you know, needs to lock that down. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, he, he's doing better than Barry is with Tina. I mean, that's for sure. But you know, I mean, come on, like get, get with yeah. the program. Yeah, he needs he needs to lock that down. She's out having she's out having a poker night. That's that's awesome. Like Sabrina is like the coolest. She's the coolest character on the show. Who's never on the show? But <laughs> I love that we do get our our Sabrina update every single week. That does make me happy. We also speaking of kind of side characters who oddly enough like who who get more screen time than Sabrina, but but probably shouldn't. Bert and Ernie, the the cops, they are out here selling flash shirts, and I gotta wonder, man, can 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 we get one? 
there has to be some warehouse somewhere or some collector somewhere that has one of those shirts. And if you do, reach out to us. Yes, let us know because I did a little digging, man. I was like, oh, that's merchandise. Surely that exists somewhere. I can't find it anywhere. And you would have thought they would have sh- like flashed, you know, pun intended, flashed it on the screen with the hopes of actually selling some shirts. But I guess this is pre-internet, pre-instant ability to, you know, purchase things. And so, like, I, I think those were custom made for the show. I don't think that's actually a shirt that you could have bought at any time. Well, you probably had to, like, send in, you know, 30 box tops of flash cereal to, like, you know, get one or something. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, this, uh, this, this show got canceled before the first season was done. I'm pretty sure they didn't have flash cereal. <laughs> That was definitely not happening. Yeah. Um, all right. So, but I did, I did like that we got a chance to see that. It did kind of make me want to see that retro look come through. I, I am curious though. If, if you uh, were a fan back in the day, did you ever see that shirt come up in, um, and we'll, we'll post it out on, on Facebook as well. Uh, but if you, if you ever saw that, that shirt or uh, rather Twitter, if you ever saw that shirt, like at a comic con or something like that, like, let us know if you own that shirt, let us know. Like, cause that's pretty awesome. It's not a it's not a design you normally see. So very cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, this is this is kind of you know the way that everything was set up. Um, we had video conference calling going on throughout uh, <laughs> throughout the entire uh, situation. Of course, uh, Tina was locked inside under lockdown under the reverse security from Star Labs. Uh, she was in constant communique with uh, the the folks outside, be it Barry or the FBI. I'm curious, did you know that Zoom showed up this early on in the flash? I don't believe I did. Yeah, well there you go. This is uh this is this is the Zoom of Earth 90. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Was well take us back with a little uh, OMG tech here. Was video calling a thing in the nineteen ninety? Uh yeah, like actually um there like gosh, what was it? It was uh are you about to say about that little Apple Mac tablet thing with the giant like camera stuck on top of it? Yeah, there there was like there was like video calling was, was it it came about in the nineties, but it was way too before its time for it to really oh, yeah. work. Um, but yeah, like like that was the thing. It's like you know you, you see depictions of the future and like video calling is everywhere, mm. and um. You know, now we have video calling on our, on our, you know, handheld stuff. It wasn't like, you know, you go to your, your phone and your phone has a screen on it and you, and you do it there. Although I know Facebook has a product that's kind of like that, that, you know, tracks you and things right, like that. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, like, like video calling, gosh, I want to say, I wish I could remember the, it was like a, it was like a wired article or something like that. But they, uh, uh, they were talking about how like Apple kind of, you know, I don't know if Apple stole it from somebody else because Apple stole a lot of stuff in the yeah, early days. It might be, might be. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, like video calling was like this big thing that they were going to try to push into the forefront, and you know the, the technology just wasn't there, um, and um, so it, it just never really came about until you know we had tiny, powerful cameras and computers in our pockets. Um, but yeah, like video calling was the future, and and I don't, it wasn't very common and commonplace. But I would expect Star Labs to have, you know, video video teleconferencing equipment and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, yeah. but, and also Barry's lab and then also the FBI truck and they can all just kind of hack into each other because somehow that makes sense. I you know it's fine. It's, it's comic book logic, especially yeah. in the nineties. It's comic yeah. book logic. The thing that did take me out of it is that, uh, I mean, it's clearly like a VHS recording, you know? <laughs> yeah. That he's just talking to. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just like, you know, you could just tell, like, even like they timed it great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like, you know, for what you're working with, you know, kudos all around. 
But it also reminded me of, um, have you ever done one of those like uh, escape rooms where they have kind of the, the pre, the video, you know, person come in and talk to you while you're in the room? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I, uh, I've wanted to do an escape room. Never have. Wait, are you serious? You've never done an escape room? Never done one. Like I always wanted to try one and then just get frustrated and like bust through the wall and be like, I'm out. <laughs> but, you would uh, love those, dude. Yeah, like I, I've heard really cool things about them, and and there's several in Austin. Um, but I ain't doing one now. <laughs> yeah, well that that needs to be on your post pandemic uh, bucket list because like it, we we used to uh, my wife and I used to do uh, uh, escape rooms a ton, and uh, th- you know there was some decent was like one or two decent ones in Jackson, and uh, whenever we were in Memphis we went, and then here in Houston there's just tons and. It's a lot of fun. Uh, some of them are great. Some of them, some of them are like super high quality, and some of them are really, really terrible. And uh, the ones that are kind of the more higher quality have some kind of narrative going along with them. Like for example, there was one we did where like we were in a marketplace and we were sent in there by the FBI because there's a nuclear bomb underneath the marketplace, and so we had to find the secret, you know, passage to get to the bunker. And like the entire time. Like everyone, like as, as, as you make progression, it's a VHS esque, you know, recording comes through with like agents. I think I'm breaking through to you right now. You, you need to go and find the thing and do the stuff before the whole thing happens. And it's, it's very, very reminiscent of what we saw here with, um, you know, the, the pre recorded <laughs> messages back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was totally live. They did that all live. That was all showing the fancy tech of the era. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Let's talk about Gideon here. Um, <laughs> rocking and rolling as the uh, the Invisible Man. Um, you know, it was it was interesting. We got, uh, I guess it was Reg, was the dude on the street that um, was blind and could kind of pick up on what was going on. Like, yeah. It was, what, it was a really fascinating concept. I'd never really thought about the, you know, the idea of like, what if you had like Daredevil versus like an Invisible Man? Or if you had like an, on Marvel, for example, an Invisible Man type of character where Daredevil is like, you know, you call him in and it's like, you know, page two, done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we don't know who this guy is. And Daredevil's like, ah, oh, it smells like this dude I smelled the other day. And he walks the same. And yeah, it's George. Yeah, it's definitely George. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it was cool. It was like, I loved, I loved that concept. And the other thing too is, and I mean, like, I, I guess, you know, maybe I'm just an idiot, but I just would have never really thought about this before. But if if somebody who is is blind and and is you know very attuned to their senses, you know, came into contact with superheroes on, on a pseudo regular basis, or at least their alter egos, they'd have no you know they, they would know who they were. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, that would be really interesting to see that. Like you know, it's uh, Clark Kent walking around Metropolis and like you know, oh, he turns into Superman and then like you know, he's he's over by the newsstand that he always like goes and buys his morning paper from, even though he works at the Daily Planet. But whatever, uh, go with me here. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then like he's saving people stuff, and uh, you know, he, he, he like you know, oh, something's gonna fall on the newspaper stand. So he goes and he, like he picks it up and he throws it away, and then the blind newspaper guy is sitting there and is like, oh, hey, Clark, how's it going? And he's like, shut up. <laughs> There's people around. <laughs> No, I loved actually the look on Barry, I guess the Flash's face when Reg called him Barry. Yeah. It was so jarring and mild, almost like, like kind of like mildly invasive. Like, wait, 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 hey, wait, why, why, are you, why are you calling me my name? Like, what, what do you, like, how do yeah. you know this? I, I thought and that was really cool. I like that. It is that light bulb moment. And it's like, oh, of course. Yeah, that just makes it's a ton of sense. And so, you know, and then you see Barry playing it off. Like, even he carries himself very well as the flash and he carries himself very well as Barry Allen. There's a subtle difference that exists between the two. When he's the flash, he's a little bit more like commanding, you you know, he carries himself kind of a little bit more, 
you know, standing up straighter and that sort of thing. And even his voice is just a little bit more, not authoritarian, but maybe like with, with like a hint more of like authority, right? Like he's yeah, got yeah. that, he got that dad voice that comes out. And so, you know, it's interesting because you kind of see him slip into more of his casual Barry voice as soon as Reg does that and, and he gets what's going on. Yeah, so, it's very, it, it, you're right. It's like there, there's subtle differences between the two, but the differences are there. And when you see them right next to one another, like we saw in, uh, in this episode, it's very distinct. Like you can see when he goes, soon as, uh, uh, as soon as Reg calls him Barry, he instantly switches back into this Barry mode. Yeah. While he's still in the flash, and it's it's it was really neat to see that. I thought that was super cool. That's a fantastic touch. This this series, you know, it it'll never be able to do the special effects that the future will, obviously, because it's in the past. But like it it made up if 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 there was even a need to make up for it, it it really did the work in all of these little kind of world building and just subtle uh, kind of character moments with Barry and all of these various characters. They all feel real. Uh, we've talked about this before, but we always get kind of introduced to these these various kind of side characters, and maybe it's just for one episode. Uh, in a, in a rare instance, it might be more, but like you feel them; they feel real, they feel lived in in this world. That make they make sense for this world, and they have backstories, sometimes very extensive backstories uh, that that kind of you know seem a little a little meatier than you might expect. But all of that kind of works together to make a more genuine show, and I think those those little touches like here with Reg. Uh, is is certainly one of them. Um, I liked uh, Gideon. He was kind of a he was a villain, but you could you could kind of he kind of had a point. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it was you know well like well done. Like I, I like it when you have these kind of villains who sort of you know they they have a purpose in in a drive, but it, it might be misguided. Like you know his whole thing was um, people can't be using this research to make weapons, so I'm going to kill an entire city. Like, you know, right, right. Y- y- yeah, like, y- no, no, you could stop it. People shouldn't be making these weapons. You can stop there. You don't have right. to go over to the I'm going to kill everyone who's responsible and at the same time destroy the city. Like, <laughs> there's, you know, like, like, like Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of corruption in Gotham City. And it's, you know, like there, there's uh, the politicians aren't doing anything to help the people. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty corrupt or whatever. But like the solution to that isn't just to kill everyone in the city and like render it a wasteland, right? <laughs> and Raz is like, I mean, that is a solution though. I mean, like I hear what you're saying, but I mean, that is a solution. Though. Yeah, it's so a it's solution. Like, it's not yeah. the best solution. <laughs> well, I mean, like, hey, nobody, I didn't say it was the best solution. I just said it was a solution. Raz just, Raz would probably say, that it was just a solution. You know what I mean? That's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. He's like, that's, you know, or that's what he's saying. Yeah. The League of Shadows spends all this time like training and stuff like that. They don't have time to come up with like, you know, intricate plans that would actually fix things without resulting in murder. Like that just takes too much time. Too much time. Too yeah. much. That's a, that's a great way. Like, to like Thanos, gonna, you know? Yeah. In, in, instead of killing every, like half the, uh, half of everything in existence, why not just snap your fingers and make everything double and make it so that people don't like become greedy and, and take too much for themselves. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, eight to 10 year endeavor, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, put, yeah. put, put, put a little bit of work in, wait till Odin dies and then go, go just snap your fingers and it's done. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it was effective temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Thor went for Gideon, the <laughs> back to the flash. <laughs> Gideon, uh, uh, but so yeah, so it is great, great to have kind of a, a character with, with a point, but, but certainly kind of a over, overshooting it here with, with the solution. Um, the technology, there was a, a nod, uh, with the FBI agent. I think he said something to the extent of like, Oh, if that technology exists, don't you think we would know about it? And it's kind of like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's like the worst defense ever. That's basically waving a flag saying I'm I'm the bad guy and we're responsible or something of that nature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, obviously they they were were after it. Um, this FBI agent, hang on, what was his name again? Jack Jack Quinn. Yeah. You know, interesting character. So again, like a little bit of complexity to him. He's trying to handle the situation. He clearly has an agenda. He wants to get the the technology. He wants to get the situation under control. Um, you know, it's not like he's he doesn't want to kill everybody inside. He's not after trying to kill you know Ruth and, and Tina. But, you know, he's like, okay, 50-50 the odds, you know, I can live with that. Let's go. Yeah. Here's my thing. Is Jack, Jack at the end, like, we're going to talk about what happens to Jack at the end and everybody's character interaction with him and whether or not that's a good idea. But but in terms of, like, Jack showing up on the scene, is he a villain? Is he gray? Like, how are we as an audience supposed to perceive him and his motivations here? Well, like, you know, he, he immediately gives off the I'm a bad guy vibe when he's just, like, you know, trouncing all over the CCPD and stuff like that. And um, I feel like he was in damage control mode, which makes him which puts him in a gray area. Right. He's like, I, I I screwed up. I did real bad. And now I need to make it so that I don't have to, uh, you know, go to jail or whatever. So because of that, like, you know, were, were, were he a good guy, he'd be like, yeah, you know, I, I here, here's all the data. Arrest me. But like, here's the information you need to get this guy. But instead, he was kind of like, I'm not going to jail. Uh, you know, I, I ain't going back to jail. <laughs> I'm going to kill everybody, you know, and, and and like, you know, destroy the evidence and and uh, make sure that there's, you know, witnesses and stuff like that. And so, you know, he was in damage control mode. So um, it still wasn't the right decisions that he made. Uh, you know, there's still some bad stuff there. Um, I think uh, um, I, that, that probably puts him in villain territory. He, he seemed to me. You watch the Bourne franchise, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, so like in the second one, the dude what what will later star in Secession, uh, Senator Bad Guy, like he's trying to do a bunch of cover ups and and everything else, and you know I guess you do find out he had you know double dealings under the table, but before you even had like the oh and by the way I was stealing you know I was I was getting money from our enemies, like he was already kind of like in that kind of bad guy mode, even though like everything he was doing at that point was kind of like government cover up stuff. So it kind of falls into theoretically a gray area. Yeah. I don't think government cover-ups are a gray area, if you ask me. Well, what I'm saying is narratively in the, in you know, when, when the <laughs> entire story is based, based on like a hitman, like, you know, there, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of moral ambiguity that kind of goes around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, state sanctioned murder and yeah, exactly. Super so soldiers. I, yeah. Yeah. No, no, this is, this is my point. So it's like, you know, who, who are you cheering for when all this is done? They, there's yeah. always kind of like this assembling of a moral compass that you're supposed to be like, okay, where, what, what am I supposed to be? Okay. With? Like even in the flash, like we we're talking about, like, okay, they're off like popping dudes off like that's murder but okay so we're but we're fine with it because it's buried his dad okay all right well I yeah guess. you know murder wrongful imprisonment all that kind of stuff like that that whole first season i'm just like oh, you're not you're not making a good case for, for barry being a good guy yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> like all right we're just gonna lock you in the basement and um, yeah. yeah we got a bucket for you no due and, process uh, i mean yeah. sure you know I, I it's 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 a thing right like sure blackgate can't hold these people i get that but at the same time, it doesn't make it right for you to like <laughs> hold them against their will. It's uh, like it's some of those guys. It's like, what did they even do? They're not. They didn't even hurt anybody. Yeah. They just like <laughs> they they flashy thing somebody in the face and they're fine. And you got them locked up in your basement. Yeah. So that's the that's the thing. All of these all of these shows have like their own little, you know, like okay, but we need you to be okay with this because obviously in this world this is fine. 
And so even though this would not be fine in the real world, or you might have a problem with the real world, we're just going to need you to kind of be fine with it here. And we're going to, we're going to move on. And that's, and that's what we do. So I, I do kind of wonder with kind of the notion of like the world of, you know, the world of the flash of the of earth 90 flash. My, my curiosity is like, you know, obviously this guy is kind of coded as a bad guy. We, we kind of see him and the way in which our heroes interact with them. Everything is supposed to communicate. He's a bad guy. Uh, but because if, if that's the case, here's, here's my point. If that's the case, if at the end of the show, everybody's like breaking his stuff and making fun of him to his face and saying, I'm going to blow the whistle on you and all that kind of stuff. If all of that's going down with this guy, who's a bad guy, or we're, we're being led to believe he's a bad guy with means to do terrible things and off people and cover it up. Why are they treating him like they're just like going to let him like walk on that? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, why go to somebody who was perfectly willing to have you killed a couple of minutes ago and say, tomorrow morning, I'm going to blow the whistle on you? What, what, what do you mean tomorrow morning? <laughs> do it now. <laughs> you, got, you, you, you think you're going to get a cool six hours worth of sleep tonight? Look, look, look. The whistleblowing office <laughs> is banking hours, all right? They're open from like <laughs> nine to four. So it's, it's not like it's not like they had a choice in that matter. It's like, look, I would totally call this in tonight, but I'm just going to get the answering machine. I'm going to have to call tomorrow anyway. Right. So just, 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 you know, just cut me some slack here. Just cut me a little slack. <laughs> or here's the other thing. How about, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to spitball it here, Ruth. Don't say anything. Don't tell him you're about to blow the whistle on him before he goes home. Like, like everybody, like, what, what, <laughs> what was that? And then Barry like rolls up. He's like, "Hey, I busted. Uh, I found your technology," and you know, pours it on the ground in front of him. I'm like, Barry, I, all right, we all get that you're the Flash. He doesn't know that you're the Flash. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if, if the Flash rolled up and did that, sure, the Flash doesn't have loved ones that this this you know rogue agent could potentially go after. <laughs> I, I thought that was wild, man. I was like, I was like, man, y'all are like big, you know, stepping up on this dude. And, I, this does not seem like a wise decision. Yeah, like you don't know what kind of powerful friends he has. He's like a you know. What, what do they call uh, like a G-man? You know, <laughs> it's all the way up there. That's what I'm saying. He's a born identity type stuff. He's gonna send somebody. Yeah. He might get track man out of cold storage. Yeah, because th- that's the thing. Who knows? What if his higher ups? What if it implicates them too? And they're not yeah. gonna go down. No, nope. no, they're gonna be like, you know what? There's a lot of loose ends. All right, that guy mysteriously died on his way to prison, and then everyone else who was involved in that whole raid mysteriously died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm telling Lots. you, man. That was. That was not smart across the board. Not smart. Yeah. Um, lots of mysterious deaths incoming. <laughs> so one of the things I, I do like about all these characters is the way they kind of interplay with each other. So Ruth, obviously, uh, working at Star Labs, having kind of the connection to the kind of weapons development and everything that was going on there. And and kind of, you know, you, you at one point, I thought maybe she was the mastermind behind everything. Um, and, and so they kind of kept you guessing throughout the episode in terms of like, who is the bad guy here? Is it Ruth? Is it Jack? Is it... Uh, Gideon like and they kind of all have their various things right like Gideon is the bad guy but he's kind of got a point Jack is theoretically supposed to be a good guy but he's kind of the bad guy and then Ruth has kind of been in this like you know she was facilitating in some bad things but but no longer because I guess death shit scared her and so now she's now she's good now so there yeah yeah gray area I mean that doesn't yeah, that doesn't make her good. It just makes her like it's it's it, it's a character arc, right? Like she was okay with yeah. it then, and then when faced with the uh, uh, repercussions of her actions, suddenly was like, you know what? Sewing is a lot more fun than reaping. So <laughs> I'm just gonna wow. <laughs> I'm just gonna you know uh, uh, be be a good guy now, even though I mean, yeah, she's probably still screwed, honestly, um, from like a legal 
well, I don't know, maybe not, maybe not, because she thought everything was done and the the um she facilitated what they were doing and they were doing nefarious stuff behind her back. Um but yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She's still she still might be implicated in that whole thing, but not not as much as like, you know, um Jack Quinn. The invisible man uh concept is great. You know, the, the you can't catch what you can't see. It's a nice um nice kind of play off of that uh, between the two characters. And, you know, I thought that they're, you know, that it's, you, you almost would expect them to establish this character as somebody that could come back, but, but that's clearly not the case here. Um, or at least I say that I'd, I'd be surprised if that ended up being the case. Cause it does seem like a good foil to Barry. Um, but you know, I, I'd never thought about uh, the flash going up against an, like an invisible person before you. No, but I did thought, or I did think it was really, really cool how they gave the flash predator vision for a little bit. That was fun. Yeah. See, that's, but, yeah. that's 90s tech. That, yeah, that exactly. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but, it, but it's an interesting situation, right? Like, I, there, there is an avenue, I think, for this character to come back. Again, I don't know if he does. I doubt it. I uh, highly doubt it. Um, but like the whole shocking comes thing back at the as end. an AI on Earth Prime. Yeah, what are you saying? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, like like you know, uh, the he's got the machine on him, and then Barry electrocutes him, and then maybe somehow that the device properties got into him, and now he can change form and become invisible on will, like you know, something like that. Like that could be an avenue for him to come back without a device, which could you know turn up the uh, the threat level there. It could be. Could be. Um, you know, I, I like that um, he does present a good foil. You know, I, I think about, for example, you know, when Barry, uh, when our Barry, when Grant's Barry uh, fought Heat Wave and Captain Cold and it was like, you have to cross the beams. It's like, or you know, or you could go up and punch him. That, that also an option. Like it was, there's yeah. been a couple of times in the modern series where I feel like we as audiences have like figured out how to solve the problem in a much easier way than than they did. Uh, and we were kind of asked to take this logic leap that these characters, you know, just either forgot about it, you know, Daenerys style or, or you know, something was up. Well, uh, I, here, that's not the case. I feel like there's there's a lot that actually makes makes sense, especially with a villain like this. But there is one thing that did kind of bother me if I've got a little bit of a gripe about this episode. And that's that when they do the self-destruct thing, there's a 10 second countdown. Now... Did they know there was a 10 second countdown? Because if they knew there was a 10 second countdown, this could have been dealt with a long time ago into the episode, right? <laughs> like Barry can get out in and out real, real quick. This is not a, you know, I don't know. It just, it, you, you, we keep on being communicated how like this, this is threatening that the ladies are dying inside and there's no way, you know, we don't know if we press the button, it'll open the doors or it'll, you know, kill them or, or whatever it may be. And then it's like they press the button. And then Barry just rolls up in there, grabs him and brings him out. And, you know, the, the countdown clock didn't even go. Yeah. that Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I there, there didn't need to be a 10 second countdown, right? Because Barry's fast. So that's the whole thing is it's like. Exactly. It could have been a lot cooler for, you know, oh, no, it's going off. And then like the next second, they're both outside right as it explodes. We get like a cool slow-mo shot of Barry. No, never mind. The technology would not have been able to do yeah, that. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. I, you know, in, in the modern era, you could do that. But maybe that's what <laughs> the 90s needed 10 seconds, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I'll, I'll give him that. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You so win this you round. Go. <laughs> Special any effects. other thoughts about this episode before we j- j- uh, jump into some flashbacks uh, well i mentioned some you know predator vision that was pretty neat um i thought yeah it was it was it was a cool 
power set for for the villain uh it gave barry a real challenge which is something mm-hmm. that's interesting um because you know like like you mentioned with the captain cold and heat wave you know the flash is so fast he could just run before they could even like you know turn their bodies to see and point their weapons at him and then just knock them on, you know unconscious and stuff but when you can't see your opponent you know that makes it a lot more interesting uh, and i loved i loved uh reg you know sniffing out literally the flash <laughs> that was that was super yeah. cool but overall yeah. yeah this was this was a fun you know again the episodes are feeling more comic booky and i'm really enjoying that and i it just making me super excited for the uh, actual comic book villains that we're going to get here pretty soon definitely i am very hopeful that we maintain the 80s nightclub that is star labs um it's it's a lot more fun than the um <laughs> than the just the brick wall that i feel like we saw i feel like that brick wall has been a couple of things at this point in the show i think it's blown up a couple of times maybe Probably. i don't know it's had a couple of cars blow up in front of it that i'm i'm fairly certain about <laughs> but uh yeah so um <laughs> i don't, I don't the think the 80s a, hottest club is star labs yeah I, I don't think there's a set on this show that hasn't had a car blow up in front of it well this is true this is true hey let's jump into some flashbacks flashbacks all right man the invisible man concept is really, really interesting to me. Um, you know, it's obviously there's a, um, uh, you know, the, the classic character of the Invisible Man from, uh, oh gosh. <laughs> talking about H.G. Wells? Like H- was it H.G. Wells? I thought that was right, but it wasn't Yeah, H.G. Wells wrote the Invisible Man. Okay, so there you go. So you got H.G. Wells' Invisible Man, and it's a great concept that I think, you know, we've, we've seen play out in a lot of films. But it's also one of those characters that, like, you know, it's it's an iconic superpower. You just don't see that much in comic books. I mean, you've got the Invisible Woman, of course, said for Marvel. Um, but for the most part, it's actually lived in a DC capacity anyway, in uh, in alternate universes and alternate media. So I want to kind of run down some different Invisible Men that we've had over the years, uh, and and just kind of take a look here. So we got uh, Lois and Clark. You did you did you watch Lois and Clark back in the day? I might have caught an episode here or there. Yeah, I watched a few episodes. I didn't watch it regularly. I mean, that'd be an interesting one to retrospectively go back and watch. Ugh, Dean Kane. Yeah, I guess. Well, I, anyway, so that, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Lois. It was it was Clark, man. With, you, with the character, it's the character. Okay, we can separate. We need to be able to separate characters from people. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, Henry Barnes uh, from Lois and Clark is one of two invisible men that appeared on that show. Another was Alan Morris. Uh, both these characters gaining invisible powers. That show was on for a couple of years, right? Like, do you, how many seasons did Lois and Clark have? Gosh, I want to say at least three. I want to say eight. Um, Somewhere between eight and three. Let's see here. It had four seasons. Four seasons. See? Somewhere between eight and three. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, the four seasons of the show, two invisible men. There, there you go. Um, you also had the invisible man of Earth s in the comics this was back in 1941 and uh the invisible man was actually a cap a captain marvel villain in fact earth s is the original um earth in which uh captain marvel and of course talking about the shazam uh dc version of the character uh originated from and so the invisible invisible man was one of his uh his his villains that that's kind of interesting i mean you can't really shazam what you can't see yeah. I guess that's true of everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So there you go. You also have uh, Dr. Ellis. Now, Dr. Ellis was a villain from Earth 2. This is kind of interesting. This was back in 1940. And he was a pre-crisis villain of, uh, of an adventure hero named Clifford Crosby. Uh, Chris, Clifford, Clifford Crosby. Now, Clifford was not a, a superhero per se. He was just kind of an adventurer, uh, kind of a, of a, a pseudo-modern swashbuckling type, if you will. 
And uh, and yeah, so he he went up against the Invisible Man. Both Doctor Ellis and Clifford uh, Crosby uh, died in the crisis, or at least were eradicated in the crisis. So neither one has has made it to a post crisis universe. Well, that's sad. It is sad. And then of course you got the OG. Um, so you got uh, Holly Griffin of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, which of course you know is the League of Extraordinary Public Domain Characters. So the Invisible Man made it there. And the League of <laughs> of Sean Connery punching out the director. <laughs> Yeah, you know that movie, man. We, we can remember, do a whole podcast on that movie. Did we see it together? Oh, maybe. I, I, was it me, you, and Jim? Maybe it could have been. I remember I saw it the same night I saw Pirates of the Caribbean. They were both out the exact same time, and I remember seeing Pirates first, and then going into League. And it was like, man, talk about <laughs> opposite sides of the spectrum. <laughs> wow, I didn't. Re- I thought League was older than Pirates. Nah, the original Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, they, it came out the uh, the exact same time, exact same year. And um, that would actually make for a really great rose-colored retrospective. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. That because that's a that you know that that could be that that would make a great HBO series. You know, like if they were to bring it back, so to speak. I mean, they're rehashing everything. Might as well. Well, I wait. I, I I don't know. It just seems as though that's a concept that would work a lot better. In an HBO series or like a mini series of, of some some such, especially with HBO Max likely having the distribution rights somewhere in there. Yeah. So, the, well, they're all. Uh, I think they're universal. So oh, are they universal? Well, so like Wait, who has the distribution rights? The Invisible Man. Um. Um. I don't know if it was because <sighs> like like Wolfman, the Invisible right. Man, like the like the film, the Invisible Man, um, and uh, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon, like all those characters. Like they were, they were the mummy, um, as well. Uh, like all of those are owned by Universal. Like Universal is going to have their own like monster verse kind of thing when, when, um, uh, the MCU and the DCE right. were kicking off. This is like, a dark universe, right? Um, yeah, dark universe. I think it's what they were calling it. I think so. Um, I think that's right. But I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the, uh, the status of the Invisible Man. Like, yeah, because the H.G. Wells person, I'm pretty sure, is in public domain. But like this, maybe the 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 film rights they have. Uh, well, be- but so then that's the question: is is you know is there an argument to be made for a separation of the two characters? Just is there is the the Invisible Man is that concept something that is like you know controlled? <laughs> Let's see. I'm trying to. I'm going back. So, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen uh, by Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill. Uh, it was produced, uh, distributed by 20th Century Fox. Yeah. So Fox, at least at one point, owned the rights. They may not own the rights anymore. Uh, well, 20th Century Fox was bought by Disney, right? Mm, That's a good point, actually. So there was a reboot. It says the, uh, the tracking board reported back in May 26, uh, May 26 of 2015, the 20th Century Fox and, uh, Davis Entertainment, had agreed to develop a reboot with the hopes of launching a franchise. The report stated that a search was underway for a director who could help uh, continue to develop the reboot. Uh, John Davis told Collider 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 in an interview that the reboot would be a female-centric film. However, the plan for a reboot were scrapped after the acquisition of 20th Century Fox by Disney. So. Yeah, so apparently there was a League of Extraordinary uh, Gentlewomen or a League of Extraordinary Ladies, perhaps, hmm. uh, that was in the works and that got killed by the mouse. 
Well, so it, it's go. yeah, it's interesting too because the comics, like Alan Moore's comics, are owned by by DC. Yeah, they're published by DC. So like, you have DC Comics publishing an Alan Moore comic based off of public domain characters that Fox made a movie out of that Disney bought, and right. then <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, yeah. Know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how you go about making uh, making that one. So yeah, and boom goes the dynamite. No, you're, you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, it's it's all it's it's all dominoes effect. But I will say this: if this is the case, then we'll we'll never see another League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, or at least probably not in our lifetime. Yeah. So no, um, no more Invisible Men for us. Like to me, that is a great like it's it's a great space to compete with like for example uh, the Umbrella Academy. Like it, Ooh, it yeah. seems like the kind of thing you know you think about like Doom Patrol, right? Doom Patrol is kind of HBO's answer to Netflix's Am- Umbrella Academy. But the thing is, Disney doesn't need to compete in that space because all of those are just trying to compete with Marvel, and Marvel is Marvel, so they don't need. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they get they will get nothing. There is nothing for them to make a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen series or a film. I so. mean, th- their slate is so full already. Like, where are they going to squeeze it in in twenty twenty eight? Happening twenty fifty two. Now that's you need to you need a uh, somebody with a, a passionate a, you know a passionate uh, concept that is somebody's cousin at, at Walt you know, at Disney. Yeah. in order to make that happen, and I just I don't see it happening. So anyway, there you go. Uh, the Invisible Man throughout uh, various comics and uh, and DC uh, history. Never really kind of realized in a, in a modern comic book context for for a character, possibly because as an invisible uh, person, it might be kind of difficult to draw. So so that might be a thing. But well, the invisible woman's out there doing her thing. I I I think we forgot about one very important invisible person. No, dude, you're not invisible. I see. No, 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 no. no. Uh, Doctor Linda Park. Oh, who is still roaming around? I mean, maybe she, not. It's post crisis, so who knows? She, no, pre crisis, she was rolling around naked, yeah. uh, invisible in the park. Of course, yeah. But uh, I, I can't hell. believe you forgot that one. I totally forgot about that one. But but that was we've had a crisis since then. But I guess I've covered some pre crisis. So yeah, you know what? I'm adding it to the invisible person list. <laughs> Although that's the thing, I was going specifically on invisible men as opposed to invisible women. Eh, uh, you know, invisible, invisible. So like, yeah, yeah. Because then you go invisible woman, then you got the invisible woman, and then you got the invisible woman, and you got naked Linda Park. So you got them all. <laughs> uh, and if <laughs> say find them all and, and you win, but you can't because they're invisible. So yeah, good luck. Hi, this is John Wesley Ship, and you're listening to Flash TV Talk. All right, man, we got some listener feedback here. Uh, first one is in from Brad. He says, I love your 90s retrospective of The Flash. Think that it would be cool if you can tie in two episodes of Crisis of Infinite Earths so that we can really have that closure for Ship's Flash. I love the show. That is from Brad. You know what? I actually would love to go back and revisit Crisis, especially through the lens of Barry's journey, or rather well, Earth-90 Barry's journey. I mean, if that wasn't already the plan, I was going to make it the plan. Like, I, I figured we finish the last episode of season one, and then the the final episodes of the podcast are going to be um the the tail end piece where we see barry from earth 90 and then his episodes in crisis yeah no i i definitely agree i think that's the way to do it um uh, similar to how he did with the top of you know if you can think all the way back to like like season zero of flash tv talk we covered the version of the episodes of the of arrow where barry was first on there so we'll kind of do that in reverse here for uh, for this Barry. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, great suggestion, Brad. We will, we will definitely make that happen. Uh, Jim friend, a uh, friend of the show also <laughs> said, uh, thanks for doing this. The show is on or was on when I was in college and always looked forward to it. Uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's, we've been asking, man, we love, love hearing from folks who um, actually watched it while it was live. 
a totally different perspective, I know, than the way that we're watching it now. So hopefully, <laughs> uh, hopefully with the, the benefit of foresight or rather the benefit of aftersight, we're able to bring some commentary that's enjoyable and fresh on the 90s series. And then finally, man, we had Malcolm. What did Malcolm have to say? Uh, hey, guys, Malcolm from the UK checking in again after hearing your Ghost in the Machine episode. Just as a follow up, as I mentioned before, over here in the UK, the show came out as VHS movies before they were picked up on air uh, TV. So The Flash 2 was the trial of the trickster. I hope that's not spoiling things. Also, did you pick up on the fact that the actor who played the ghost was Anthony Stark? Uh, I remember reading somewhere that the Flash costume was insanely expensive for the TV uh, back then, something like a million dollars for four of them. And they kept wearing out, which probably didn't help when it came to renewing it. Um, also, keep up the great work. Uh, or Sorry. Anyway, keep up the great work. And don't worry. There's more comic book stuff to come. It definitely feels like they had to build up uh, to the more out there concepts. But episodes like Ghost in the Machine really helped. Malcolm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I remember hearing that, too. I don't I don't remember if John Wesley Shipp mentioned that on our. Uh, he did. Well, yeah, he mentioned he that the did. suit broke down a lot. But I think he did mention that it was like a million dollars for like four of them. Something something outrageous like that. Um, well, you know what that means? If that's the case then that means he was definitely doing all those chores. Like that might be the confirmation that we've been looking for. Cause like he, you know, it was custom fit to his body. It wasn't fitting anybody else. And it's yeah. like, all right, all right, you got, you got the suit on. So now you got to go and got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he mentioned how hot it was. Could you imagine like disassembling a car in a studio set with that big suit on? And yeah, yeah he, he was like all hot and sweaty in there and it was disgusting. And yeah, but uh, that that's interesting that the flash two was an episode that came out on VHS in the UK but it aired after the episode. Well, Ghost in the Machine, and then there was another one featuring uh, Desmond later on that they yeah. lumped together. So, so it's it's really crazy how they kind of like took these episodes, spliced them up, made some TV movies, but like released them on VHS outside of air date order. Yeah, With, no, that's just bizarre to me. But I think that's that's like somewhat. That, that that was a thing at the time, right? Again, pre pre streaming, pre internet, all that all that kind of good stuff. And even now, though, I think I, series get packaged differently. Yeah, uh, across the pond. So, but Malcolm, um, I completely agree. I I think the reason why they're doing it, like they 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 kind of get you in slow, right? Like they have more like realistic, quote unquote, sort of like villains and plots. And and the plots have always been like intricate and cool. And then. As we get further along, stuff gets more and more comic booky. But you're invested at that point, and either A, it doesn't bother you, or B, it's really cool. Which, in most cases, in my opinion, it's been really cool that they're doing some of these like more out of the, out of left field sort of ideas and villains and stuff. So yeah, they're definitely like you know just just uh, we're the frog in the pot of boiling water that is the Flash show, and they're just <laughs> they're just slowly turning up the temperature uh, right. until we get the trickster and Captain Cold and <laughs> so on and so forth. Well, I mean, that's what they did with uh, Arrow, right? Like, or, you know, go back to season one, rewatch that. Where he's just often dudes and it's like, you know, or, you know, uh, a street warfare type stuff. And then he's, you know, by the end of it, he's the Spectre rebooting an entire universe. Yeah. So <laughs> like that's, you know, who, who knows where this show could have gone if it, it had been given the uh, the amount of time to, to really see its run all the way through. But you know what? It did. And that's that's what the crisis was. If nothing else, I mean, the crisis was great. But I, one of the best parts of the crisis is that we do get a, a satisfying conclusion to uh, to this this Earth ninety flash, uh, and you know, really, really kind of tie everything in in a, in a beautiful way. Hey, we really appreciate getting all y'all's feedback, and uh, you know, hey, if you've, you've got some thoughts on the show or any episodes up to come or any anything that we've said thus far, if our 
Uh, predictions are way off. It's okay. You can spoil it for us by all means. Like, let us know. Yeah. Uh, we'd, we'd love to get your thoughts. Um, we also want to encourage you, by the way, if you've got some theories for the uh, season seven of the modern series of, of the Grant Gustin Flash, uh, send those in as well. We'll, uh, we'll try to trickle those in a little bit from time to time. I want to, again, be kind of mindful of the fact that, of course, this is, you know, we, we do have, we want to go through... We do want to make make sure that as people are, are going back and listening to this, because they're retroactively watching the 90s series, that they're not too off put by the fact that, you know, we, we, we're we looking forward to season seven of the current Flash. It's it's confusing enough as is talking about Barry and Barry. So, you know, <laughs> it kind of is what it is. But one way or the other, I'd uh, love to hear all your thoughts. And if nothing else, we'll, we'll save them up for once we, uh, we do return with season seven. Uh, but we want to encourage you, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Flash TV Talk. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Flash TV Talk. Uh, but if 280 characters isn't enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at potestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. And special thanks to the amazing Charlie Bach for providing our outro music, more of his stuff at soundcloud.com slash Charlie Bach. I also want to encourage you to check out some TV Talk podcast at tvtalk.fm. That is going to do it for us for this week. But until next time, don't worry, we'll be back in a flash.